in our scripture reading, we'll be looking at a number of passages, and in a sense, a panorama, a view of, of the shepherd role from early in scripture until literally up, up to the end in Revelation. And so there's a number of passages we're going to look at as I, as I read through those. So a little bit different because there's a number, of, a good bit of reading. I'm going to let you be seated. We still reverent, have reverence for God's word just the same, but I'm not going to have you stand this one time for the reading of the word because it's going to be a little bit lengthier. However, no fear, the sermon will be a little bit shorter because of the longer reading. So we'll still finish up about the same time. So first, first passage... Picture what the Lesh has read. Uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is the good shepherd. As in any, any good story, you, you in a sense get the ideal, the good of what should be at the beginning. But then the problem, the crisis, the challenge sets in as in any novel. And we come to where God's shepherds didn't do quite what they should have. In Jeremiah 23, verse 1 says with the problem, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Then we move on further in the prophets to Ezekiel, where God says, the prophets are having trouble, I'm going to step in. I'm going to foreshadow what the solution will be. In Ezekiel 34, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I... I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. And then we move to the Gospels. In a sense, the answer to the prophecy, to the foreshadowing, Jesus Christ himself. And in Luke 15, important passage there, Jesus is engaged and he says, engaged with the Pharisees, and he says, And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This, now, this in the Greek, even though it's, your translations may say this man, this whatever, it's more, there's no, there's no noun there. And they are being, uh, you know, just uh, insulting him with a, this receives sinners and eats with them. They don't even name him in their derision. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. In our final reading, John 10, the, the most famous passage on Jesus as the Good Shepherd and in the context, in the Middle East, what would often happen for the, the sheep is that you might have an enclosure outside of the house, maybe four or five feet high, and the sheep would spend the night in there. And on top of the walls of this enclosure, there would be thorns or sharp rocks, things like that, not to keep the sheep in because they, they're not going to jump over the walls, but to keep thieves and robbers out. So the sheep would be in that enclosure, and the shepherd would come to the door to get the sheep out. Jesus speaks into that context with this illustration. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. 
To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Many of you, or maybe not many, some of the older ones may remember the old TV show Electric Company for the children when you're young and children. may remember a short little part of that show where they would have the little jingle that said, three of these kids are doing their, three of these kids are doing the same thing, one of them's doing their own thing, right? And there might be a picture up there of one guy in the box is playing football, one's playing basketball, one's playing tennis, and the other little kid is eating cereal, so, oh, there, that's the one that's different. Okay, so you, you grasp that easily as a child. So in this topic of, of Jesus at the Good Shepherd, the, the amusing thing was when it was initially laid out, you know, last week Adam talked about prophet, priest, and king as the offices of Christ. But then Jesus as the Good Shepherd, that's kind of the one that's out there on its own. How is that the case? It's not an office. But as Lad said earlier, it is a role that Jesus filled. And again, as we see from Scripture from start to finish, the importance that Jesus incarnated came as the Good Shepherd. And so in reality, it is a wonderful topic to have at Christmas, at Advent, because Jesus came as the Good Shepherd who was being waited upon. And as we consider sheep, shepherds, and so forth... You might remember the movie several years ago, uh, American Sniper. And in that movie, uh, the father is speaking to a couple of his boys. And he says, sons, there are three types of people in this world. You have the sheep, you got the wolves, and you got the sheepdogs. The sheep, in a sense, are these kind of careless ones. They don't even really know about the evil in the world. And they're going to be in trouble. Then you have the wolves who are bent on violence and destruction and killing the sheep. But then, sons, you got the sheepdogs. And the sheepdogs are the ones who are given the gift of aggression. And they can step in and fight against the wolves. And implying, boys, you want to be like that. But that discussion leaves out one of the most important people. The shepherd, the shepherd who comes for the sheep, cares for the sheep, even to the extent of laying down his life for the sheep. And by the way, what what does that mean we are? You know, our culture says we're raised to be the sheepdog. You're raised from start to finish. Be tough, be independent, make a name for yourself. Don't need anyone else. You know, even taking Jesus, uh, when he's saying it's better to give than to receive, we take that as, well, I'm always going to be a giver. I'm never going to need anything from anybody else. I'm never going to receive 
don't need it. That's the good American independence. When in reality, our takeaway from this morning is going to be, we are the sheep. We are the needy ones. And our big idea is simply this. Jesus was incarnate as the good shepherd to redeem simple sheep who need protection, provision, and preparation. And you've got a few notes in your, in your bulletin if you want to follow along. The first point about protection, if we think back to Psalm 23, let's walk through from there. In Psalm 23, let's, let's look at the land as far as the context into which uh, David is writing there. In Judea, in Samaria, you had kind of a, a line, a mountain ridge. And as you would move eastward, away from the inhabited cities... You moved into rough terrain. Rough terrain as you moved away and stepped out away from the protection of the cities. You might be uh, in, uh, subject to the elements, severe windstorms and dust storms, lack of water, thieves and robbers, wild animals, snakes, all these different things. Didn't necessarily have a tour guide or the police or homeland security to protect you. You were stepping out And you were subject to harsh things. But David says to that, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Amidst all of that, as a shepherd, he's saying, I shall not want. And his want there, what that means is needs. Lord, you take care of everything that I need. Now, our culture flips it and says this, Take the things that you want... And those become your needs. You want this? Your friend has it. They have it. You need that. And then what you need becomes what you deserve. You are entitled to this. So what you've wanted as a nice to have becomes what you deserve. Whether it's a better job. Whether it's a better husband or a wife at all. Better health. I deserve all this. I deserve to be richer and happier and more comfortable. And our wants turn to needs, turn to entitlement, and we might overspend because I desire and I deserve this. Or we look at things that we shouldn't or get in relationships that we have no business being in. But instead, we have a shepherd who can, who will, Take care of real needs. He promised. Furthermore, David says, he makes me lie down. He makes me lay down. So a sheep doesn't lay down. You can't force a sheep to lay down in the same way you train a dog. Your dog, sit, stay, lay down. A sheep will lay down of its own accord when it's content, when it's well-fed when it's secure, when it's safe, it lays down in safety. Uh, David was saying, you give me that peace and security, Lord. And then when David talks of the valley of the shadow of death, the valley of the shadow of death, in in that terrain again, if we picture it, the valleys could be very thin, very rugged, where water cuts a channel, through the rocks. So the, the, the valley might be from here to the speakers over there. And, and walls on the side. And so as you would enter into one of these valleys, you were in a sense trapped 
If there was a thief, a robber before you or behind you, or wild animals present in that channel. David says, your rod protects me. The rod was maybe yay high stick with metal on the end of it. A weapon, in the same way when David said that he defeated the bear and the lion, he was likely using that rod as a weapon. But he's saying, Lord, you are the one who protects me. And then the staff, as you've often seen in pictures, a staff, the curved end, the shepherd could rest on it, but that curved end also served the purpose of the shepherd hooking the sheep that had gone wayward. The sheep that was wandering off the path, the shepherd could pull it back in. Or if it had fallen down, the shepherd could hook it and pull it back in. might not feel that good to be yanked back, but it served its purpose to rescue the sheep. So application for us to consider, again, as we are the sheep in the passage, where, brothers and sisters, where do you leave the path? Where do you leave the clearly said path of God? Walk in this for blessing. Where are you cornered and trapped? So yes, the Lord has been gracious to rescue you, hook you, bring you back in. But what is it that you continually do that he must do that for you? Where is he calling you to change? So the next passage where we moved into the prophets, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, where it's predicted, it's prophesied that God is going to provide uh, that shepherd. In his book, from the, uh, uh, the Good Shepherd, Kenneth Bailey gives this interesting quote uh, by, uh, involving Saddam Hussein years back in the invasion to get Hussein. Uh, one of the leaders is, in that, in that, uh, is with Hussein, and Saddam asks, what, what time is it? man says, whatever time you say it is, Mr. President. Just showing that kind of arrogance uh, of that leader. But the point being this, as we expand that out, Leaders are tempted to be quite arrogant and even take advantage of the sheep. That's what was happening there in Israel. It is a sure temptation. Rather than being humble in realizing the opportunity they had to care and steward and, and, and take care of those sheep, they use it to their own selfish gains. And you could even think of, as a challenge for, for pastors, many times we look out, we could see pastors, and you think, what in the world are they teaching? This heresy, you know, that they've gone so far astray. Carl Truman points out many pastors who end up teaching errant stuff that's heresy or borderline heresy. He says, you know what? They weren't setting out to be so full of heresy. They were full of themselves. Got so full of themselves and just went along in their pride. And one of the best things for any pastor any leader is to remain humble. Be humble. As dads, as leaders, be humble. Have teenagers, they'll humble you. Yes. <laughs> um, so after this prophesying of the shepherd who has come, we look at the New Testament. We move to Luke, Luke 15, in a beautiful picture there where Jesus steps in as the shepherd. And so again, this doesn't sound so much like Christmas in the sense of, wait, here's Jesus the shepherd. I want to see Jesus as the babe in the manger. But indeed, this is all about Christ 
coming and fulfilling that role. Christ born a man that we might be born of God. He takes on flesh that we can have his spirit. He also took on that lowly, poor role of the shepherd. If, in fact, if you think back, go way back to Genesis, when Joseph brings his brothers and his father into Egypt, where do they go? They get to be in the land of Goshen, a beautiful land, because the Egyptians thought shepherding was disgusting. Keep them out, away from us. It was a lowly and often despised role. And if we think of even other religions, if you take, say, the Muslim, for God to become part of his creation is despicable, much less to be a shepherd. And they can't, they can't accept that, that God would step into his creation because Allah is so far removed and distant and apart from creation. But no, the gospel says, I will enter in as the shepherd to get my sheep. So in Luke 15, there's the passage about the one in the 99. Okay, the one sheep that gets lost, the 99 that are there. So a sheep, a sheep, when it's scared, it, it essentially gets paralyzed. It'll go, get under a bush, stay there, bleat, until either a wild animal comes and gets it or the shepherd comes and rescues it. A sheep's not like a cat or a horse, you let it go and they're gonna just run wild. Has no direction. The sheep will just be paralyzed and stay there, die without the shepherd. Now, when the shepherd is coming in at the end of the at the end of the day, often would have his rod across the opening into the sheepfold. So the sheep are coming in, one, two, and he sees any blemishes or problems and he's counting. Ninety-nine. Ah, you might think. 99 out of 100, that's, that's pretty good. It's, it's been a rough day, bad weather, counter loss. This is good enough. You know, 99, you stay put. Maybe the other one some other day, maybe it'll show up. But no, just think of how that would make you as one of the 99 if the shepherd just said, ah, if you're the one who's out there one day, might not be going to get you. Instead, the comfort given to the 99 that the shepherd goes out there for that one to find him. We, we have paralyzing needs. We're taught to be independent, have skills that'll provide for you, but in the end, we can't provide everything for ourselves. We are sheep, we are needy, we need safety. And it leads us again to be humble, be humble. You may have heard that quote one time, it says, put your hand in a bucket of water, pull it out, that's how important you are, the hole that you left in that bucket of water. Pretty encouraging, huh? I guess saying that never got me invited to speak at a graduation. Probably wouldn't fly for a graduation for the Wingate graduating class. But in a sense, it's saying, look, rather than blowing people up with a bunch of smoke, realize you're, you may, we're sheep. We're quite dependent. Our only hope is the shepherd. We don't need Jesus the consultant to help us with better time management, the better investment in Bitcoin, we need Jesus the shepherd to save us in every situation of life. We need him. 
The John 10 passage, so the one about Jesus now as the good shepherd, as the good shepherd. The thieves are mentioned twice in this passage, as well as wild animals. Okay, so again, you, you picture that pen, the sheepfold, and Jesus comes, or, or the shepherd, the shepherd comes to get the sheep out in the morning. And so this is taking place all over in the village. This herd coming out, this herd coming out, shepherds calling them. The sheep, as the passage says, know the voice of the shepherd. Know the voice of the shepherd. So if there were this sheepfold that had some new sheep in it, who had bought, traded, whatever, end up in this sheepfold, when they first hear that shepherd's new voice, they often would bang their heads against the wall because they're scared. They don't know who this is until they learn the voice of that new shepherd. So when the sheep would come out, they needed to know the voice of that shepherd in order to follow, not get lost, tangled up amidst other flocks going through the village. And some sheep would come so close to the shepherd where the shepherd would have a special affinity and relationship and he would name those sheep because they were close to him and with him often. He would name them. Not all of them. All of them knew his voice. He'd name some of them. But this is saying Jesus knows his sheep, knows you, knows me by name, every one of them. Every one of them. Jesus knows his children. So in that relationship, as we picture the relationship with Christ, how, how, how do you feel? You call somebody. They never return your call. You text them. They don't text you back. You, maybe you're a loyal type of person. That may bother you a bit. I mean, just this past week, reached out to a friend, said, hey, I'm praying for you. I want to see how you're doing. Didn't call back. Don't worry, nobody in here. Um, but but I'm, loyalty is high on the chart for me. So what's going on? Why am I not reaching? But so any kind of relationship, if you're reaching out, they're not reaching back, that, that kind of bothers you. So what about us and our relationship with Christ? How are you on the mutual side of him naming you, caring for you? Are you engaged in that relationship with the good shepherd? And also that voice. If we think about the importance of the voice, there are so many things clamoring for our attention, trying to get us to listen. Oh, this matters, this matters. But say for, for college students, especially, you could probably picture this. You're in final exams. Head down. How well do you tune out the party next door? The bad music next dorm over? Are you zoned in on your studies? Can you stay focused? Can we stay focused and know the voice of Jesus saying, this is the way, walk in it. Are we able to tune out all the other stuff saying, you need this, you need this. But Jesus is not just a shepherd saying, come, go in the way. He is the good shepherd. The good shepherd. If there's anything that's emphasized in this passage, it's the fact that he's the good shepherd. Now, what does that mean? Good in, in, in many contexts can mean many different things. It could mean Moral, that was a good decision you made not to do this, but to do this. So good can sometimes be moral. Good can be beautiful. That picture you drew, you painted, this, that is good. It's beautiful. 
Or it could be useful, efficient. That was a good use of time. You did this, you didn't waste your time doing that. Or it could be, this is a good day, this is a blessed day. All of those things, in one sense, are good, but not what was meant here. Jesus was called good, called himself good, for a specific reason. If we go on in the passage, he contrasts himself to what was called the hired hand. The one whose job was to take care of the sheep, but it was not their calling. It was a career, it was a job, it wasn't a calling, it wasn't their sheep. For Jesus, these are my sheep. For the hired hand, there was a Lebanese proverb that said, when the wolf came, the sheepdog ducked behind a bush to relieve itself. There's no wolf. I didn't see it. The sheepdog just hides. Hired hand. Jesus says, no, this is different. There is a cost with this one. The reason he is good is he lays down his life. He would rather die than lose his sheep. That is what makes our shepherd the good shepherd. And as we close, the last, the last passage, what I want us to think about is this. The first one was Psalm 23. The last time that the shepherd, word shepherd, is mentioned in the Bible is in Revelation 7. So you might recall at the end of Psalm 23, it says that goodness and mercy will follow me. Really, it's more of a pursue me. Goodness and mercy through the shepherd will pursue, find the sheep. Just as the shepherd has pursued the sheep that is lost, we come to the fruit of it. The end of it in Revelation 7, the last mention of the shepherd says this, For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The Lord Jesus lay in the manger that we may lay in paradise. So the good shepherd brings his sheep all the way home, their true home. And our call as believers is to trust him. Trust is often abnormal. Unbelief is often normal. And so, for the unbeliever here today, one who has not trusted Christ at any time, you may be saying, yeah, that part about the shepherd, I get it. It's nice. Jesus taught some good things. That's helpful to know. He helped people as a shepherd. But we're saying no. It's much, much more than that as the good shepherd. He was the good shepherd. His goodness is our only hope, your only hope. His rod, ultimately your only protection. His staff, the only way that you can be rescued. His voice, the only one that can lead you where you should go. His finding you when you're lost and carrying you home. And it's your only hope as well. Trust him. Let us pray.